Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for May 1st, 2007. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Warner. Joined each week by our Orlando team, this week including Bob Barley, Kevin Close, and John Mangi. In this week's show, we'll tell you about the top news stories on the Diz, including Universal's announcement that they will be adding The Simpsons to their stable of attractions, and an update on the Disney theme park rumor we reported on last week. Also this week, John Magi will answer a listener question regarding Grand Gatherings. And I'll bring you the second installment of our History of the Diz segment. And also we're going to unveil a new contest that we'll be running each month on the show, and you will not want to miss that. All that plus listener emails and roundtable rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. Now before we get started, I do want to mention that Corey and Julie are not with us this week. Unfortunately, they had to uh, rush back to Louisiana after a freak accident took the life of Julie's 10-year-old niece, Brianna. It was really very tragic. Um, So I'm going to ask that all of you please keep Corey, Julie, and their family in your thoughts. Um, Hopefully they will be back next week, but I told Corey to take as much time as he needed because uh, it's just a tragic story. Tragic story. She was very, very young. So, Mm -hmm. Our thoughts and prayers are with Corey and Julie and their family. All right, in the news this week, our number three story, just when you thought there were enough Disney guidebooks to choose from, one more gets added, but this one may be a cut above the rest. The Zagat survey, which is known for its restaurant and hotel guides, has compiled a survey rating of everything at Walt Disney World in a new book entitled Zagat's Walt Disney World Insider's Guide. The guide is based on surveys from 4,841 frequent visitors to Walt Disney World, and they had them rate everything from hotels to restaurants to attractions. Soren took top honors in the attraction category, most popular restaurant, California Grill, top rated food, Victoria and Albert's, I agree with that, most popular hotel, this one surprised me, Animal Kingdom Lodge. I mean, I know it's a popular hotel, but most popular? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. Really? Yeah, people who like it really like oh, it. Oh, no, it's a wonderful hotel. I love it. I'm not saying that. I just, I, I, I wouldn't have thought it would have rated the most popular when they first bailed it, I thought it looked like a Days In with twigs stuck to it. Oh, no. From the outside. No. From the outside, if you look at it from the parking lot, it looks like a Days In. No, I think it is truly one of the most stunning hotels I've ever seen. Once you get inside. <laughs> really? For, yeah, if, if you park in the parking lot. I'm not talking about the grand entrance with the thatched roof. If you look at those wings, they're Days In with some twigs stuck to the front of them. <laughs> inside, it's different. Yeah, I, it, well, just I think the whole concept... Of the resort was so too. unique with the savannah and, and everything, and especially with so many of the rooms. The first time I stayed there, you get that savannah room. You have your morning coffee. Okay, they're going to write to me now and tell me how much they hate me because I said it looks like a day's in. <laughs> Only from the parking lot. The views of the Diz is not reflected by Kevin. <laughs> Asterisk, yeah. Send all your emails to Kevin. I don't think it's a day's in, I swear. <laughs> Some of the other ratings included theme parks with the Magic Kingdom earning 48% of the vote. And Epcot, surprisingly, a close second with 36%. I was surprised by that. I was surprised no one asked me. (laughs) (laughs) Who are these people asking? Giving them surveys. Yeah, but they haven't found me for that year of a million dreams yet thing either. (laughs) I agree. I mean, I I agree with that. I agree with that. I think Magic Kingdom, Epcot, I I would rate it pretty much the same way. But uh, just most people you hear, you know, most people I talk to, Epcot doesn't get a lot of good, always get a lot of good talk up. You know, Epcot's boring. Epcot's this. I thought I, I've never thought Epcot was boring. I've loved Epcot since the first time I went there. Epcot's come a long way to to fix that image. Yeah, with their, that's true. With their thrill rides, so I think this was probably done before Everest was put in. No, actually, Everest was included oh, really? in, this, in this survey. Yeah, that was uh, I think uh, top attraction for adults in this was ever, for was Everest. No, yeah. it's it's very recent. 
It's very recent. It's available in all the bookstores. Um, I haven't actually picked up a copy of it yet, but uh, maybe we'll get one, have Kevin do a review, see what he thinks of the... Uh... As a matter of fact, I'm going to a bookstore when we're done here. Oh, then we'll have a review for you soon on the uh, Zagat's Walt Disney World Insider Guide. I was really happy because I, I trust Zagat's ratings. I've always found their ratings to be really dead on with a lot of stuff, the formula they use. And, and, you know, for me, the thought of another guidebook coming out is like, oh, my God, how many more can we have? Because, I mean, there really isn't a lot of different things to do with guidebooks. Some people put interesting little twists on them. And I'm not saying the guidebooks out there are bad. Most of them actually are pretty good. But I, I think this is a real different way um, to, to do a guidebook. It's a different take on a guidebook. And, you know, got almost 5,000 Disney fans like us giving their opinions. I think that, you know, really helps you know, lend a good level of authenticity to it. So The problem with guidebooks, I find, is they have a hard time staying current with what's happening in the in the parks and yeah. in Walt Disney World. That's my biggest thing on, on those books. Yeah, They just true. can't stay current. That's true. And a lot of them, what they do is they re-release, you know, every year, and it's just pretty much they just update some of their content, yeah. and the rest of it is all the same. So it's kind of like, which, I mean, it makes sense. You can't rewrite. I don't think you can rewrite these guidebooks if it ain't broke don't every it. year but after a while you know if you've read the last four versions of it you pretty much know what's going on you know you know what they're going to say our number two story this week universal orlando announced last week that it would be replacing the now shuttered back to the future ride with a new attraction based on fox's long-running tv series the simpsons something we have been talking about for a while. And it's yeah, this a, wasn't a really well-kept secret. No, no, it was all over the discussion boards. Um, and I'll tell you something, our Universal discussion boards, folks, if you want to know what's going on, if you want want the skinny on what's coming up, these guys are usually dead on with their uh, with their rumors and stuff, and they've been, they've, they've been saying this for a long time. So, yeah. The new attraction will debut at both Universal theme parks in Orlando and in Hollywood in the spring of 2008. The ride will be a motion simulator that lets visitors travel through a Simpsonized version of a theme park, as envisioned by one of the show's characters, Krusty the Clown. According to series creator Matt Groening, the ride is designed to duplicate the Simpsons' home viewing experience only at high speeds and with lots of screaming. Both Groening and the series producer, James L. Brooks, are involved with the attraction, as are all of the TV series cast members who will be reprising their roles for the ride. Universal is estimated to be spending $120 million developing this attraction, along with other capital improvements over the next year, this according to Variety. Now, what we've heard is that that number is going to be much higher than $120 million. Mm. Uh, that I think that $120 million number pretty much covers what they're going to be doing with this one attraction. But, uh, you know, we talked uh, last week or the week before about uh, the rumors that they're going to be doing things to Islands of Adventure. The area of islands of adventure known as Lost Continent is going to become what were the rumors we're hearing, uh, Harry Potter themed, and I think you're going to see two or three attractions, two or three you know A-list attractions go in there. There's also two pieces of property. I was just going to say that. Ah, faster than all my thunder. I'm stealth. There are two pieces of property west of uh, islands, islands of, of adventure, adventure, sort of behind. The Jurassic Park ride. As you come in off of I-4, you go between the two of them. And I have to tell you, they're prime, and they look like they're being readied for something. They've just put up uh, privacy fences, and it looks like they're moving dirt. Well, if that's what's happening, then we can revisit the rumor that they might be adding another hotel. I think that's what we're going to say. Because uh, the one... The one the, now, we've heard... I mean, we've been hearing 
from a number of sources, from our, our discussion boards, from some of the people I've spoken with over at Universal, we've heard these same rumors about uh, about Harry Potter coming to islands. What, what the only the one unique thing I read on a website a, a few weeks ago that I hadn't heard anywhere else was that as part of this Harry Potter thing, they were going to be adding a a hotel themed around Hogwarts, the school that features in the film. And I'm going to tell you, that's a great idea. That would be, that would be, incredible. Well, we'll see what happens. But now on to number one, the number one story this week. Last week we reported on rumors of a new Disney theme park possibly going into Missouri. Well, it turns out not only is that rumor false, but some of the people involved with the company that owns much of the land in question may be in some trouble. According to the news leader in Missouri, the source that we use, which was the source we used for last week's story. The vice president of public affairs for Disney has told the presiding commissioner of Newton County, Missouri, that there is absolutely no truth to those rumors. Now, we had told you last week that a representative from, a, from the company purchasing the property had asked the county commissioners to make changes to local roads to support a $1.1 billion theme park. When the commissioner investigated, they found that the names of two of the three principals in that company, the company is ARM Risk, were seemingly connected to Disney. Well, it turns out that the registration that was filed with the Missouri Secretary of State seems to be suspect at best, and it looks like this has now uh, gotten the attention of the Missouri, uh, Missouri State Attorney General's office. Oh, so it turns you know it it, it uh, it's pretty much this is a dead rumor. <laughs> Do you remember what I told you? Yep, mm-hmm. you were right. Yeah. You were right, and uh, so it's. And, we, and you know, and, and we got another one. Mount Washington feet, about about Mount Washington. Mount Washington and the surrounding area. They were thinking about doing something there. That would be cool to redo the Mount Washington Hotel. That would be spectacular. Yeah, it's, but you know, folks, you keep in mind, ninety nine point nine 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 times out of a hundred, these rumors are false. Um, apparently, I think you know, and I can't, I can't say exactly why. If this company was doing anything uh, uh, unseemly, but you know, it's attractive for companies to think about it. It's attractive for companies to get that rumor out there that Disney's buying this land because it drives up the price. The days of anybody being able to sneak into a town and start snatching up land at cheapest dirt prices, so to speak, is over. The internet is here. Mass communication is here. The early seventies or late sixties and early seventies just aren't going to happen. Again. Exactly the way the way Walt Disney bought the property in Orlando is not going to happen ever again. <laughs> so it's uh, the rumors so I'm, make the week go by. You know. So I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry you folks outside of Branson uh, you are you are not getting a Disney theme park. So and that'll do it for the news this week. And uh, we love hearing from you guys. And if you have a question for our team. Or a comment on the show, please send us an email to podcast at www.info.com. Or you can visit our podcast main page at podcast.wdwinfo.com and fill out the feedback form we have on the, on the site. As always, if we read your email on the show, we'll send you your very own Diz Unplugged t-shirt. And you may even have a chance to win one of our monthly prizes. We're going to tell you more about that in a little while. But now we're going to go on to Roundtable Rapid Fire. And who would like to start? I'll start. Mr. Close. Disneyland is getting a new attraction. It's going to open up very soon. It's going to be the Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage. And in preparation for that, they're sending out the uh, Finding Nemo 
Finding Nemo (laughs) submarine to states in the West End Canada. This is going to be something that visits uh, aquariums, museums, parks, boys and girls clubs, and sporting events and such. It is a fully motorized vehicle. It's going to have special appearances by Nigel the Friendly Pelican and the Scavenging Seagulls. Mine, mine, mine. Also, there's going to be a on-the-road version of Turtle Talk with Crush. So you'll be able to see things like that. The new attraction debuts June 11th and is an enhanced version of the original Disneyland submarine ride. Just to give you an idea, it's going to start May 7th in Seattle and end on June 29th in Phoenix. It's going to Portland, the San Francisco Bay Area, Sacramento, Fresno, Salt Lake City, uh, Disneyland on June 11th, Las Vegas, Albuquerque, Tucson, and Phoenix. So if you're out west, you'll get a chance to um, have a preview. Oh, drive it out here. I want to see it. Let's go to Vegas and see it. Yeah, that's the reason you'd want to go to Vegas. <laughs> Good idea. I'll just, John, happen do you stop, wanna... <laughs> I'll, I'll just happen to stop by a blackjack table while I'm out there. <laughs> John, do you want to go see the submarine? No, that's okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a roll here. Like, looks like the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. It does. But it's cute, and I think kids are going to go crazy over it. Cool. Thank you, Kevin. Mr. Varley. Okay, Pete. My rapid fire is uh, Disney's released some dates for Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, and the uh, Princess and Pirate and Princess Party. Uh, we have all those in on the website. We'll have them. We'll put them on the show notes. Put them on the show notes. Uh, what I just want to mention is check the dates again because some of the dates changed. Uh, from what we got a release from Disney a while ago that gave us dates. And when I got my, the October park hours, I noticed that they weren't matching up with the close time of 7 p.m. So for the Halloween party. So that uh, kind of caught us a little bit. And we, we were going with what Disney had given us as a, official stuff and it just didn't pan out when the October hours came out. So. Don't this, doesn't that you always have the Disney disclaimer it, on it? Yeah. it? It does have the disclaimer, but, you know, we, we like to be accurate. And well, we try, but we can't control what Disney so, does. So. And, and that's the reason why it wasn't accurate. Do you have prices on those? I do. Uh, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party is forty three sixty two for ages 10 and up and thirty six sixteen for ages 3 to 9. Um. Those are the advanced purchase price. The gate price is fifty one oh seven for over age ten, and forty two sixty two for ages three to nine at the gate. Uh, there are discounts for annual pass holders and DVC discounts for certain dates, and we'll have those up on the site. Uh, that price is forty dollars forty two cents for the over ten, and thirty two ninety seven for ages three to nine. That's for the Christmas party. Yeah, and the Christmas party is uh, taking place on various dates from November 12th to December 21st, right? Yeah, they've added a few they've added a few more dates in there, so that's good on that. Uh, the Princess and Pirates party, which I'm anxious to see if they enhance it anymore in uh, August. Those go on sale on May 1st also. 2007 ticket prices uh, is 41.49. Uh, for ages 10 and up, and 35.10 for ages 3 to 9. Uh, and then there's 
we'll have all the pricing up on the on the site. Right. Okay. And one last one. Uh, Mickey's not so scary Halloween party pricing. Advanced purchase is forty one forty nine ages ten and up, and thirty five ten for ages three to nine. Uh, annual pass holder rate is thirty eight twenty nine for adults ten and up, and thirty one ninety ages three to nine. Uh, gate price is forty eight ninety four over ten and uh, forty two fifty five for ages three to nine. Great, a lot of information. Thank you very much, Mr. Varley. All right, for me, I want to let everybody know that Blue Man Group is coming to Universal Orlando starting on June seventh. Uh, they've built a one thousand a one thousand seat amphitheater uh, specifically constructed for this. And uh, prices for adults are between fifty nine and sixty nine dollars plus tax, depending on where you're sitting, and forty nine to fifty nine dollars plus tax for kids. And uh, the first, I think, the first four or five rows uh, are called the the, the splash zone. You, they, you you get ponchos because apparently they use a lot of paint and they bang on things and paint kind of splatters out into the audience. So I'm going for the, I'm going to the June seventh show, and I am not in the splash zone. Or the paint zone, or whatever they call it. I tell you, the billboards around town are fantastic. They're pushing this hard. It's they are pushing this hard, and and they said, uh, from what I understand, uh, ticket sales for this are the best. Advanced ticket sales for this are the best that Blue Man Group's ever had. Wow. They've gotten excellent, excellent advanced ticket sales. So it's they're selling, and yeah. uh, June seventh, June seventh, that starts. We'll have a link uh, where you can buy the buy the tickets on the uh, on the show notes page. That building was the old Nick. Nick uh, building. Yeah, the old Nickelodeon Studios. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I know Bob reported on a rumor that we were going to get a second Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique inside Cinderella's Castle in the Magic Kingdom, and we have official announcement now. Uh, the second Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique will be opening September 10th, 2007, and it will be in the Magic Kingdom inside Cinderella Castle. Uh, the, the boutique will move into the space that is currently known as the King's Gallery that has jewelry and artwork and stuff like that. Um, the last day of business for the King's Gallery is July 4th, 2007, and construction on the new Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique will run from July 5th through September 1st, 2007. They're going to have a whole bunch of different uh, packages that you can have your little girls participate in the coach makeover the crown makeover the castle makeover all of which involve hairstyles and nails and dresses and all sorts of fun stuff not Uh, all of them involve that well they all involve a hairstyle yeah but only the big one only the the expensive one gets the dress coach makeover hairstyle and shimmering makeup no dress crown makeover hairstyle and shimmering makeup and nails no dress Castle makeup, hairstyle nails, shimmering makeup, imaging package, which is photos, a princess costume. There's the dress. Shoes. Complete with crown, wand, and shoes. All right. How much are these going to run, do we know? I don't have pricing. I assume they're going to be the same as Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique yeah. now. I mean, I have a brilliant well, idea putting it in the castle. It really is. The difference is if you want to have it done in the castle, theme park admission is required. Exactly. Right. They're going to have 11 chairs over there in that. One and the they're going to fill every one of them. It's the Bibbidi Bobbidi Factory. Open from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Let me just give you some additional information in case you're thinking of doing this. Princesses must be at least three years or older to participate. There's no maximum age limit, Kevin. 
And this, the boutique will also offer a service for boys called Cool Dudes. And that includes Yeah, you'll cult. get boys in there. Yeah. How many boys are you going to get? Well, boys there? like us, maybe. <laughs> Actually, know? what they're doing is... When we were six. Mommy, I want to go into the castle and have my hair done. <laughs> they're putting, the boys get hair gel and glitter. And they do that say. in the barbershop. I just keep stealing your you thunder, do. don't you? You do. You have to be faster. And um, we're going to have to make these reservations in advance. They're going to fill up fast. 180 days prior to arrival is when they'll go on sale. And reservations for the Magic Kingdom Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique can be made beginning April 29th, 2007. So it's already, by the time the podcast goes, it's already It's going to be open already. So yeah. is it today, April 29th, 2007? Well, no. yeah. not when we're going to air it. So, And also the uh, tickets for the uh, Pirates and Princess Party, the uh, Mickey's Not So Scary, and Very Merry Christmas go on sale May 1st. April so. 1st. Um, you got a lot of things to book book tickets for. Mm-hmm. Those phone lines are going to be busy. All right. That is going to do it for Roundtable Rapid Fire. Uh, we're going to move on and do our second part of the history of the Diz. And uh, this installment, um, I wanted to talk more in depth about uh, the history of our discussion boards and, and how uh, Dreams Unlimited Travel got started because, like I've said before, I think they're pretty interesting stories. Um, now, where the forums are concerned, uh, the forums went online only a couple of uh, couple of months after I started uh, the Diz, and we started the Diz June first of nineteen ninety seven. The forums went online sometime in August of nineteen ninety seven. So I kind of consider their anniversaries the same. But my inspiration for putting the discussion boards on the Diz was after I had some experiences on a an internet news group called uh, Rec Arts Disney Parks. It was uh, known as Rad P. And uh, back in the day, before discussion forums were pervasive on websites, this was pretty much where you went for discussions. You had these news groups. And it was a very busy news group. It had a lot of people interacting on it. And I got to say, it was the nastiest thing I had, things I'd ever read in my life. I couldn't believe people were talking to each other the way they were talking to each other. Mm-hmm. If, if, you, if you asked a question that they thought was stupid, they just piled on you. And these, are, these were unmoderated. This news group was unmoderated, so anybody could say anything. And I don't know. I didn't feel welcome. I didn't feel comfortable. And I decided, let me throw a little something stupid up on my site. I, I'll tell you, I never, ever in a million years envisioned that those discussion boards would take off the way that they did. And almost from the very beginning, as soon as I put them up, um, it started getting activity, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. By May of 1998, when we had moved down here, I remember getting a phone call. You see, uh, something you need to understand with discussion boards, they're not like regular websites in that, you know, a regular website is just kind of serving up the same page over and over again to whoever comes. A discussion board's a whole different thing. There's database interaction. Every time you hit that page, you know, whatever's happened in the last 20 seconds has to be refreshed. So there's all this database interaction. There's all these people doing all these things to a database, putting posts in, reading posts, you know, doing all that stuff, searching. Search is a big one. And that tends to really bog down a server. Now, in the beginning, we were on what's known as a shared server, which means we shared our, our space we were one website of about 50 that was located on one server. And 
within, like I said, less than a year after the discussion boards went up, I remember getting the phone call from our uh, our web host saying either get a dedicated server because we were crashing our server constantly with our discussion boards. Either get your own server, a dedicated server, or you have to go find somebody else because we can't host you anymore. And that was the beginning of a process that goes on to this day, adding more and more servers to, to our our discussion boards. I think... How many have we blown up? Well, it's not that they blow up anymore. It's just that, you know, after after about, you know, a year or 18 months, they're obsolete, outdated. They've been, you know, run into the ground, and it's time to, you know, update to the next mm. thing. And uh, I think I think now in total we have either eight or nine servers. It's not just for the discussion boards, but, you know, for everything else. But I remember that first dedicated server and the panic that set over us when we realized, I think it was like $1,000 a month. And at that point, there was no advertising. We weren't doing it. There was, no, there was no business model for doing the sites. And, you know, you're trying to work a job and figure out how you're going to pay an extra $1,000 a month. So it kind of necessitated that we had to start doing something in terms of advertising. And uh, the discussion boards, like I said, they just kept growing. They've never gone down in the amount of traffic they've gotten year over year. It's only, it only ever goes up by anywhere from like 15 to 30% a year. Like last year was up 30% traffic. I mean, it's crazy, 10 years on. And it just still keeps growing and growing and growing. And I just, you know, what did I know? I'd never done anything like this before. I know I mentioned that last time, and you hear me say it a lot more. This is something I stumbled into. You know, all of a sudden, I'm the mayor of a town. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, or sheriff. Sheriff of the town, yeah, yeah depending, on, depending on the, on, on the situation. It's a whole community. It, yeah. I had no experience with this. I, you know, it was, it was crazy. And, I mean, issues started almost right away. Early on, I, I realized that we had to do something in terms of in terms of guidelines, and so I, I put together the guidelines that I'm very proud to say pretty much have remained unchanged. Yeah. Since, I mean, we've made some adjustments to them, but for the most part, the guidelines that I I laid down ten years ago on the site are pretty much the ones that we use now, which are, you know, for me to, in my mind anyway, these are pretty simple things, you know, play nice. Don't be don't be nasty to each other. Don't come here looking to sell something. If there's something to be sold on this site, I'm going to sell it. I'm the one forking out the money for the servers. I'm the one who's going to cash the check if there's anything being sold. You can't come here and spam my boards and hawk, hawk your wares on my boards, and it happens all the time. Um, things like that, you know, some basic things. The the community that formed from the beginning was the real shocker to me. That so many friendships that formed, so many relationships that formed. I can't tell you how many people I know of just off the top of my head. Yeah. They got married because they met on the site. Um, the, the, way this, the way the community has rallied around each other um, during, during difficult times when, when one of our members gets sick or has passed away. and um, Some of the most unbelievable, for as nasty as some people can be, the compassion and generosity that will flow from people on these boards is like nothing I have ever seen before. And I try and focus on that. By focusing on that stuff, it tends to make me feel better yeah. <laughs> about, about, the, uh, about the discussion boards. The boards were also the inspiration behind Dreams Unlimited. Um, a lot of the th- questions that I was seeing asked on the boards, a lot of the problems I saw that people were having 
booking their trips is what kind of gave me the idea to do do a, a travel agency specifically for Disney travel. Now, we were not the first. Dreams Unlimited was not the first travel agent, Disney-specific travel agency on the Internet. We were the first one to do the concierge service, the extra stuff, the discount checking, the uh, personalized itineraries, the priority seatings, all that stuff that you see a lot of other agencies doing. We did it first. You know, that, was, those were my, that was my idea, and I know nobody else was doing it then because I scoured the Internet for months looking to see what was being done. So I started putting together the idea of how I wanted, what I wanted this travel agency to be, and John and I were working on, you know, on the details and specifics of it. And, you know, it was, it was, it was unique because we had no experience. We had been representing some hotels in the Diz at that point. And that's kind of what gave me the idea that there was, you know, the opportunity to do a business with this. But we had no experience in travel at all. We knew Disney. We knew Disney like the back of our hands. Mm. But anything else, we just had no, we had no experience with. So we were batting around ideas and working on stuff. And a few months after we formulated some of these ideas, um, one, of our, one of our regular she was a chat host for a long time and a regular on the boards. Donna, Donna Lefever, uh was down for our second anniversary party. It was uh, May of 99. And uh, we were doing our second anniversary party. And Donna had just gotten laid off from her job. And I was talking to her about what we were doing. And she was really excited. And uh, Donna ended up uh, being the one to help us. She helped us uh, do a lot of the legwork and the research. Actually, had to start a travel agency because that was my big question. I had this all these great ideas, but you know, I was like, how do you start a travel agency? Travel agents certainly weren't going to give you any information on that. And uh, Donna made some great contacts at Disney, and they were really wonderful. Disney was wonderful in helping us uh, figure out, you know, the best way for us to do this. And uh, I remember, you know, it's funny when I think back to what I, I thought we were going to do how this business was going to run. Originally, Donna was going to take all the reservations. <laughs> right. She was going to take all the reservations, provide all the quoting. I think she, <laughs> she still I think she still should when we get so many. Well, uh, just, just to interrupt and interject, when I think back about what happened in the process, it's hard to really make it linear. You're doing your best to try to make it a linear process, but it really wasn't. I mean, because there was the idea of what can we do to help people do trips and make plan their trips and then how can we get involved in that in a travel agency and then we had so many people who were involved in the Diz as volunteers who we wanted to reward and bring on board and say you know what can we do to help you because you were putting so much time and so much effort into this so we wanted to create something that would allow them to earn an income doing what they loved and at the same time you talk about the putting together the concierge service, we then decided that the best thing to do would be to have Disney fans and Disney files be the agents. Right, instead of going out and getting traditional travel agents. Right. So it's all very, I know we're trying to put it together in a linear package, but it doesn't really happen that way. It's very layered in how the whole thing sort of came together. Yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of one of those right time, right place type of things. The internet was ripe for it. The internet was just... Just on the on the crest of really getting popular, um, where a lot more people were getting access to uh, a lot more people were getting access to to, to to the internet, and 
starting to plan travel on the internet. And I remember back in those days, it was like a big thing that travel is going to be like the real big thing on the internet. Everybody, eventually everybody's going to do it that way. And this really does fit in. It ties in directly to the, the history of the discussion forums because Dreams Unlimited Travel was the first time I got taken out for a walk on my boards. Uh, when we announced that we were doing this in late 1999, um, most people were really, really positive about it. They thought it was a great idea. They were excited about it. But there was a group of people who thought, and most of them were travel agents, traditional travel agents, who just ripped me apart. Who do you think you are? You have no business doing this. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to wreck all these people's vacations. All of these travel agents who said, you know, we, we wouldn't, we would never make any, uh, never make a go of it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like to, uh, I like to look back on that and laugh. I like to look back on that and laugh because, uh, if there's, there's one thing that, that I love about the history of, of this is when I, when I look back is to know that you had an idea to do something and you believed in it, even when a lot of other people told you you were nuts and you were right. Your vision was right. Your vision was good. The timing was right. The place was right. The people around me were right. But, you know, the, it, it, that began the process where, you know, try, try starting a business. You've never done anything like it before. It's your first time you're ever going into business for yourself. And you're under the microscope of those discussion boards. It is what makes them great, though. And mm -hmm. I think they, they absolutely were the reason Dreams Unlimited did so well so quickly. Because any, any mistakes we made were pointed out to us without hesitation. And I didn't always like it. But eventually I realized, wow, you know what? This kind of feedback is really going to help make this a great business. And it did. And it does to this day. It does to this day. And that's one of the things the boards, I think, you know, beyond the community, where the discussion boards really and truly have had an impact on Disney and on the Disney community. And again, not just our discussion boards, but all the discussion boards, is this type of interaction, this type of instant feedback that we get from Dreams to Dreams Unlimited Travel, that I get on the Diz, that Disney gets on whatever they do, um, it forces companies to change their perceptions of how they do business with the public right and it gives them instant feedback in a very real way in a very unedited way this is what we really think of your product and it has helped make and again i i don't want to sound pompous and say just the diz because all the discussion boards do this that this element of the internet has made this product that we all love so much disney so much better they didn't always like it they didn't always want it, but they have learned to embrace it. It took them a while. Yeah, they didn't understand it at first. No, no, they didn't know at what all. to make. They didn't know what to make of us because we came out of nowhere. We Dreams Unlimited came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, you know, within six months of launching, Dreams Unlimited was fairly successful, and has continued. Knock wood, has continued to be successful. But again, these things, anything that we've ever done on the site, is inextricably linked with our discussion boards. And one of, the, one of the lessons I learned early on with the boards was, well, not early on. I'm a control freak. I, anybody who spent any time around me knows I'm a control freak. And as I've gotten older, as time has gone on, my experiences, especially with the discussion boards, have taught me to temper that to some degree. Because in the beginning, I was like the only moderator. I mean, it was me and that one discussion board that we had. And I decided, you know, if somebody needed to go or if there was a problem with a post or anything like that. And eventually, 
we ha- I had to open it up to more and more people and bring in bring in moderators and bring in other other people because a I couldn't do it all alone but b I realized that allowing other people a chance to in kind of infuse their passion and their their talent and their character and abilities into the boards only made them better and that eventually I just had to get out of the way I had to get out of the way and let these boards be my job to this day my job is to set up the guardrails to keep it from like going off a cliff but outside of that leave it alone the community does a real good job of determining what they want what you know what the content is what's what's important to talk about they don't need me telling them that they tell me what's important and it again there's not there was no there was no handbook saying this is how you run a discussion board and I will admit, I'll freely admit, especially in the early days, I was very heavy-handed, very heavy-handed in how I moderated. Sometimes I would get very nasty with people. I wasn't very diplomatic. And again, as you get older and as you have some of these experiences and as you go through some of these fights and battles, it tempers you a little bit and it, it, it levels out your edge a little bit. And I'd like to think, to some degree, I'm a little bit calmer about the boards than I used to be. Um, <laughs> Because it used to be one of those things where you just want to pull your hair out. Um, I've learned how to be more diplomatic. It's been it's been a very it's been a great life learning experience for me, being involved with these boards. The number of people that I've met, the friendships that I've made, the friendships that I've watched form, as I mentioned before, the people who've gotten married, um, has really been has really been very unique. I think one of the one of the times where the boards where I really saw the community on the boards. And what it was capable of doing was nine eleven. That was a that was a bad year for everybody. That was a particularly bad year for me. I I, I suffered a lot of loss um, in about a three month period uh, in the middle of of, of in the middle of uh, two thousand and one, culminating with with nine eleven. What we all went through watching what happened. Um, but we had we had people on the site who had lost family members. Uh, on some of the planes that had crashed, uh, one of our moderators, uh, Jake Jason Clauber, who was on the show a few months ago, is a good friend of mine. New York City police officer, he was one of those crazy men that was running towards the buildings as they were falling instead of running away, trying to save people. And uh, well deserved, uh, he was decorated by the by the mayor of New York uh, mm-hmm. as a hero, one of the nine eleven heroes. Um, and I can remember so many people on the boards. They they knew that's where he was stationed. He was stationed down in 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 downtown New York, and the number of posts that were on. Has anyone heard from Jay? Does anybody know where he is? Uh, to the point where his father, actually, I think it was the only time his father ever posted. Uh, his father got on the boards and said, "I heard from him. He's all right." Uh, and in fact, he had been hurt. He had been hurt that day, and uh, so you know just extraordinary extraordinary stuff uh that i've seen happen on the boards and but it also uh, and i debated whether or not i was going to go into this but to some degree my personal history is also the history of of the discussion boards and there's a reason i'm mentioning this but um in uh in late 2001 like i said i dealt with a lot of loss my dad passing away um, and a number of other things that had happened in my life. And by the end of that year, uh, 
I was in what I could safely call a full-blown depression um, and was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I mention that because it was a, uh, it was a, a very long process for me and still is in terms of dealing with depression. And it almost, well, let's be honest, I was, I was almost incapable of, of working for a while. I was incapable of being involved. And I mention this for one reason, and, and that's that, A, I know that several thousand people are going to listen to this. And by right, or by, by, by statistics, at least some of you are either dealing with it now or have dealt with it in the past. And there's always a lot of shame, I think, uh, surrounding depression. And I think it's important for people to know that other people are dealing with it, too. It was important for me to know I wasn't alone, that I wasn't the only person, because it can become a very lonely experience. And I'm, I'm fond of saying, you know, that the team that we have both in Dreams Unlimited and on the Diz and the boards um, play a huge role in not only running the site, but in making sure the site survived my inability to contribute anything. Because there were a few years there I really wasn't capable of, of contributing anything. And every time I, pl- I pay compliment publicly to any of these people, everybody just kind of thinks I'm being polite. But I want to kind of underscore the importance that the role that some of these people played in ensuring that the site that you all love and that we love, um, that we've gotten so much from, whether it's entertainment or help in planning our trips or the friendships that have been made, that the site would not exist if these people had not stepped up. Um, On the discussion boards, that goes to our webmasters, Um, specifically uh, Webmaster Doc, Webmaster Kathy, uh, Webmaster Alex, who is keeps everything running um webmasters kelsey regina scott um these guys all really did an amazing job of coming together and helping run those boards when i just wasn't capable of doing it and they take a lot of crap so do our moderators for that matter they can take a lot of crap you got fifty thousand forty thousand people a day going through the site and they have to make unpopular decisions sometimes and without them, the site wouldn't exist. Uh, the people who are sitting around this table, unfortunately, Corey's not here. But, you know, Dreams Unlimited in particular, none of the business would be, would be here if it wasn't for John and, and the contributions that he made. Um, Corey and Bob, in running the site, running the Diz, and keeping that going when I couldn't. And... You know, talking about the history of the Diz, I have to talk about the people who make it, because I'm the I'm uh, historically speaking, I'm the face. I'm the guy everybody knows. I'm the guy who started it. I'm the guy who gets most of the praise for it. But the truth of the matter is that there is a huge team of people here, a huge team of people, who have in many cases volunteered their their time, taken away from their family not for any other reason than that they love the site and they, they believe in what the site is and they believe in the community that's formed here and they love the community that's formed here and they have 
under some really trying circumstances when the guy who owns everything is just incapable of answering an email, is incapable of answering the phone, is gone for months at a time because he's too depressed to get out of bed. That's extraordinary, and those people really deserve special, special mention and consideration. And I wanted to make sure I did that. I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to say this. I'm not even sure if I'm going to leave it in because, like I said, you know, there's a shame that, that kind of forms around depression. And, but I think it's important to say that, that was a part of my, that's a part of my history, and my history is almost inextricably linked with the site. And, you know, fortunately, the last couple of years... And I got to say, this podcast has been a big help in, you know, for me in that it's forced me to do something every week and bring people into my house to sit and do this and interact with people. I can't tell you what a, what a, what a help that's been to me. But, you know, I, like I said, it's, it's just I, I wanted to make sure I, I underscored the importance of the contribution that my team, the, the people who work for me, the people who volunteer for me, um, who have kept this running, um, they really deserve more than just your thanks. They deserve your respect and they deserve your, your consideration because, you know, most people don't know about this. Most people just think the site runs itself. It doesn't, you know, there's all sorts of things that go on all the time. Problems you guys never see on the discussion boards, things, you know, posts that you never find out about. We see it all. The webmasters in particular see it all. And they're the ones that keep this thing. They're the glue that holds it all together. And so I, I needed to make a special, uh, I, I felt, I felt it was important to make a special, uh, special mention of them. And, and uh, I wanted to do that. In my opinion, you glossed over a major uh, milestone, in my opinion. You went through September 11th and how people on the site benefited from it. September 11th, um, changed the way people did business. It changed the way travel agencies did business. And to this day, we're just now recovering from that. And when it first happened, people were polarized. Nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew how to respond. What were we going to do? Pete locked himself in a room for two days and figured out the best way to handle the events that were going on at the time and saved, in my opinion, saved Dreams Unlimited Travel. It could have been the end of us. It I could thought have, it was. It could have been the end of a lot of the people we do business with in this community who depended on us to put heads in beds, to book rooms. And you developed strategies that I think made us stronger. We had some of our best um, revenue-generating months following the months after September 11th when people like Disney were, weren't getting it. They weren't responding. They didn't understand what was going on. And you really stepped up and said, here's the reality of it. Here's what we need to do. It could have been the end. And it could have been, you know, if dreams went away and a lot of these people who supported the Diz went away, the Diz could be a different animal today. Well, that was my worst fear. It was my, my, my worst fear since I started the business is that I would ever have to lay anybody off. Um, that, you know, it, it, it changes your perspective on things when you know someone's livelihood is dependent on what you do. And after 9-11, like I said, yeah, like you said, I mean, I dealing with the devastation, you know, being from the Northeast, being a New Yorker, um, and watching those, those buildings fall and seeing all that death and all that destruction, yeah, we were all polarized. 
And then the, in the aftermath, I mean, just everything was dead. Everything was dead, but people were still coming to the site. As a matter of fact, our traffic was really strong in the weeks after that. People looking for an escape. And, uh, and a sense of community and connecting. And, and a sense of support. Right? Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, and again, it just, it, it's always, it's never failed to amaze me whenever anything like that happens. Any kind of tragedy happens. The way this community, no matter how brutal they can be to each other sometimes, the way those guys, the way we circle the wagons, we circle the wagons, and especially when one of our own is in trouble. And I can't tell you the number of times. It happened after Katrina also. After Katrina, it ha- oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially after Katrina. Like I said, you can't, you can't plan starting something like that. You can't plan putting something like that into place. And I think one of the things, like I said, I think one of the best decisions I ever made was to stay the hell out of the minutia that goes on on the boards. To let the boards be. Let them be whatever they were going to be. Keep the guardrails up so that it didn't, like I said, didn't drive off a cliff. But let the community kind of drive what was going on as much as I could. I have very specific restrictions in our guidelines about what I, what, what's allowed and what's not. I want my site to be family friendly. You know, um, I've got a very dark sense of humor. Um, my sense of humor would never be allowed on the boards. In a million years, would never be allowed. I would never, I would never be able. I would never survive my own guidelines if I let my sense of humor uh, fly fly on the boards. That's not what I want. That's not what I wanted that to be a place for. I wanted that to be a place where you know, if if you're if you've got your kid on your lap and you're surfing the boards, that anything that comes up is appropriate for that kid to see. Um, it matters to me that you know we have that people when they come to my site. Have as good as good of an experience as I can give them. That the information is as good as I can make it. That the tone of what they hear and what they see is as good as I can allow it to be, without stifling everybody's discussions. I know some people think we're too heavy-handed. I respect that. I respect that you think that there should be more adult discussion. I disagree. That there is a time and a place for that, and my board's not the place. There are other places you can go. Well, I'm not going to go in. Um, I'm not going to go any further because we're we're really running close on time for for this show. I'm probably going to go over, but um, I uh, will uh, will be doing the the final installment of of the history of the Diz. We have more for you on June first. It'll be the only time that we'll break our Tuesday routine. Um, our our first show in June will go up on June first to celebrate the ten year anniversary of the site, and uh, we'll do our final installment then. And I'll tell you more about some of the interesting things, some of the interesting experiences that we've had, um, some of the interesting run-ins we've had on on our discussion board, some of the interesting places and people that we've had a chance to meet. And I'll have a long list of thank yous to people who have really helped make uh, this uh, an amazing, an amazing site, an amazing community. Uh, ten years, ten years old. Uh, with that, we will wrap up the second edition of the history of the Diz, and uh, I guess we will move on and do listener email. And who has one they want to start with? I do. Oh, Bob's hand's the first one up. Uh, Go ahead. I have props today. Uh, more props Hold for a radio show. Uh, we, we got an email from Heather Vivonia from Powder Springs, Georgia. I'm sorry, Heather, if I butchered that, but it's something I do. 
she asked me about uh, Disney raising the price of the Dole Whip to four twenty-five, and if this was true. So, um, and also, she also asked, "Is it no longer considered a snack on the Disney dining plan?" So, Bob went to the park today, mm-hmm. and I found out. Right now, the Dole Whip with the uh, the the float, the pineapple juice with the uh, ice cream, mm-hmm. is three ninety nine. I also asked if it can be covered under the Disney dining plan as a snack. And they said yes. And I bought Dole Whips. You brought Dole back. That's right. what the cool. Bob That's walked in the, with a cooler today. Right. So, so it's good news and bad news. Okay, the good news is I bought Dole Whips. The bad news is I drank them all. <laughs> so, but <laughs> did you really? He did. How many did you? Did, Four straws. Oh. I'm sorry. You pig. Are they going up in price? So they, you they, wait they, a second. You brought a cooler in here yeah. with four empty cups? Dole whips. You were good. Four empty Dole whips. They, they, and that requires you bring – you had to keep them in a cooler. Well, it, it's, I had to hide them. I'm sorry. You could have put the straws in your pocket. I could have. I could have done that, but – I just wanted you to see I had the dole. This is and, one of those things that's gotten a life of its own on the Diz boards that, you know, I was depressed, but you're psychotic. No. <laughs> okay. Well, it's roundtable mental illness. Here on you know, really? Was, Anybody got some Paxil? <laughs> it was tough for me to hold all those dole whips, and so I couldn't. Drive the car. So that's what you sat out in the parking lot or in, the, in my driveway no, they for 15 were gone. minutes? They were gone doing? before I left the Magic Kingdom. Oh, Lord. But the Dole, so you brought the, trash, basically. The, the Dole <laughs> pineapple. Unbelievable. Magic Kingdom I garbage. The, I had the tray and everything for it. Wow, that's very exciting. But the Dole pineapple float is three ninety nine plus tax. And right now you can do it on the dining plan. And the soft serve Dole Whip is two eighty nine plus tax. As I was saying, this is one of those things that's gotten a reputation. It's pineapple ice cream. I I like it. It's but they're pine- good. I love it's, them. it's good pineapple ice cream, but it's pineapple ice cream. And it was so and good. It's got this sort of mythic thing that you have to go to the Magic Kingdom and if you didn't get a Dole Whip, your vacation is ruined. It's pineapple soft serve ice cream. It's For good. But it's just ice cream. No, it's just not ice cream. It, I just can't go past it. It is. It, yeah, I, it, it's I, I got have a to, thing of its I own. I have to agree that at least, at least it it has a reputation, a deserved reputation. It does. I agree. And everything tastes better in the Magic Kingdom. It does. Mm-hmm. Bacon is better in the Magic Kingdom. It's absolutely mm-hmm. true. Uh, it, but you could say that about anything. It's about the, this. The same thing happens with Mickey bars. It's vanilla ice cream covered in chocolate. That's think, good anywhere. But, you know, especially if I think if you've been to the parks multiple times, these are some of the things you look forward to because you can't get them at home. It I brings mean, back for us, it does, for, some, for us, it's a little bit more rote because we're able to go over there whenever we want and grab one. But especially, you know, I remember when, you know, I was planning trips down here. Little things like that really made me excited about my vacation. Okay. I can't wait to go get a Dole Whip. Okay, you know? I'm even older than you. I remember when you used to go into the park and you used to get fruit juice and it little container that looked like the fruit of the juice. Oh, I remember those. You remember those remember shaped those. like yeah. grapes and oranges? Yeah. Right. So I understand, but again, you can get a Dove bar in the public. It's not, it's not the same. It's not the you, same. You not actually the same. hit the nail on the head. Everything tastes better in the Magic Kingdom. And I think that's it. Yeah. It's I part think. of this 
nostalgia or memories that you have from the past when you were there with the family and everybody got a dole whip and you sat on so it could be liver and onions that you're craving it it could be i mean i gotcha when i go back to massachusetts i have to go to a certain chinese restaurant because it's the greatest chinese food in the world so the bottom line is that they have the price has gone up to 425 no no it's it's 3.99 right now it may be going up in the future and i'll have to go back and check again all right so get us each one again. That, I will. That answers that question. Thank you, Mr. Varley. Thank you for bringing your trash to uh, <laughs> Roundtable. I have one, both literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's mean. That was awful. No, it's cool. He went over there and he got the information. I think that's very cool. Uh, whose idea was it? It was. It was yours. Thank you. I had it on my schedule I'm though. The mastermind behind my... everything Bob does. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> wow, you really want to take credit for that? No, I don't. No, really. Ian Parsons of Exeter in the United <laughs> Kingdom says he just recently discovered us and wants to know he visited uh, Walt Disney World two weeks ago over Easter and stayed at the Pop Century Hotel. He wants to know what the plan is for the new bit of Pop Century that appears to be half built. Well, we don't know. Disney, when they first announced this, said that was going to be the early years of the 20th century. The aughts through the 40s. And then there was a rumor, I think, after uh, after it first opened, there was a rumor that it was going to be like a uh, a discount DVC resort, basically. They were going to make those DVC rooms, but I haven't heard anything about that in years. So I haven't either. And I under from what I understand, Disney still is considering... Finishing Pop Century, however... I'm sure they will. The last I heard was they're going to finish Pop Century, but because the um, family suites are so popular at the All-Stars, that might be an all-family suite hotel. That would be cool. That would it be would cool. be cool and full. Yes, yeah. that would be a boom to that area as I well. had heard that the icons are being stored inside those buildings. Possible. On, on some of them. That makes sense. Yeah. And what, there was a bridge between the two, and there was like yeah, the, the bridge of... Time or something yeah, that goes to nowhere. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. So the answer is we don't know. <laughs> well, we a, lot of, a lot of good speculation, right? I apologize for not being more succinct, but we just don't know. I have an email from someone who identifies themselves as check writer from Long Island, New York. And he or she writes, love the podcast. The crew has a unique chemistry that easily comes through. It makes a truly enjoyable 40 or 50 minutes each week. Well, this week is like three or four hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most, I'm going to have a lot of editing on my hands this week. The mostly gentle kidding is a lot of fun to listen to. I have two suggestions. As a parent of five kids, I think something you're off the mark on is critiquing the parks. Take Ohana, for example. I would agree that it is not the best food and is a lot of fun, but is a lot of fun for kids. Maybe it's the weapons. Okay, maybe Ohana's isn't the best example, since the food is really not, which, since the food is rather mediocre. But places like Teppanyaki or Morocco are also kids' favorites as well. The point I'm uh, meandering towards eventually is that it might benefit the podcast if you have some input from panelists who have kids under 16 who visit the parks and can offer their kids' perspective on things. Well, that actually touches on two topics first of all we got a lot of feedback from the ohana uh review that kevin uh did and we got a lot of feedback from the update on the the restaurant section of kevin updated the uh description of ohana based on his most recent review and whether you like it whether you love it 
it's terrific that there's conversation about it. Talk about it, discuss it. And we've said it before that, you know, these are our opinions. Right. Um, and I think Kevin did take into account that there is a kid factor at Ohana. Um, just that, you know, it's real. It's it's really expensive babysitting at twenty eight twenty eight dollars a head, and for food that's really not very good. I think Chef Mickey's is an interactive kid experience. Also, there's a huge difference. However, the food at Chef Mickey's is good, and I'm not suggesting that people should not go. It, as I said, it has a, it's wildly popular, and if you love it, bully for you go i don't think that i need to be crucified for (laughs) not liking it i think if the food was better it would be and the entertainment was better it would be a great experience for everybody however i don't think the food was good and i thought the entertainment was 1970s gong show kind of entertainment so (laughs) i i stand by my review i think there are places where you can go and do that and have a wonderful time if you and your kids like mediocre food have a good time and it's also very important to keep in mind that, you know, our job is to be exceptionally discerning, um, that we're not here to buy into the the hype, that we are going to give our opinions. And again, they're just our opinions, but they're pretty considered opinions and they're pretty educated opinions. And we've done this stuff a lot. And we uh, that's, you know, one of the reasons we're doing this is we're trying to bring our expertise and our, uh, our, you know, our, our opinions on these things to bear. And you can take it with a grain of salt. And, you know, like Kevin said, if you like mediocre food, it's a great place to go. I just don't think there's any excuse left anymore for Disney not to be serving good food. And there are too many people that agree that the food at Ohana just isn't that good. And that's just unacceptable at $28 a head. I'm sorry. It's just unacceptable. I don't care how good the entertainment is. And the bottom line is it's an opinion. Right. Right. And we're comparing what we used to see at Ohana's compared to what we're seeing now also. And then her second point about having sort of a kid's voice in the show. Um, do you want to talk about that, Pete? Well, I mean, we've, we've gotten those comments from a few people that, uh, you know, they'd like to hear some more from that perspective. And it's something we're working on. We're working on doing something a little creative. I don't want to say much more than that because we have to do some, do some checking. But... Uh, we're, we're definitely expect in the next within the next couple of months, you're going to see. Hopefully, not that long, but I'm giving myself a wide berth here. I want to see. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be able to add something to the show that'll be pretty unique from that perspective. So I think that'll be excellent. I do too. All right, and I do want to mention before we close, as I, I alluded to in the beginning of the show, that we're going to be doing a contest that we're going to start at the end of this month, the last show of every month. We are going to take. All of the emails that we have read on the show, and we're going to give away some cool prizes. We're going to we're going to award one person each month based on the emails we receive. We're going to award one person a prize, and the way we're going to do it is this: we're going to have envelopes, thirty of them, marked creatively enough, one through thirty. Wow! And in each envelope will be a prize. It could be a twenty-five dollar gift certificate. It could be something a lot more. It could be something. There'll be all sorts of prizes we're going to give away. The cheapest thing we're going to give away is $25. $25 gift certificate. That's the least expensive thing we're going to give away. And each month we'll select one person. We're going to email you in advance. We're going to ask you to select a number, 1 through 30. And we're going to open that envelope, and that's what you win. I'm going to do this the last show of every month. And then at the end of the year, the last show we do before Christmas. 
We're going to take all the winners that we've given prizes to, and we're going to select one at random to win a seven-night cruise on board the Disney Magic. So stay tuned. We'll be doing, um, and uh, you know what? We, we read a lot of emails last week. I'm going to include all those folks whose email, e- emails we read last week and include them in the drawing for the end of May. And, of course, anybody we read today. So when you send your emails in to us, if we read them on the air, you will certainly get your Diz Unplugged t-shirt, but you'll also be have a chance to win our monthly drawing. And if you win the monthly drawing, you're going to have a chance to win the big prize at the end of the year. Make a great Christmas present for somebody. So stay tuned to our show for, the, for our big giveaway. All right, and with that, folks, we are going to wrap up this show. We hope you enjoyed it. And we will be back with you next week, next Tuesday, with another edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. You all have a great week. If you want John and I to go to Malawi and adopt a kid, we will. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you wait to say that? (laughs) 